3: The Great Pyramid of Giza is an incredible sight. The oldest of the seven wonders of the world, it spent nearly 4,000 years as the tallest man made structure on the planet. But what if, in fact, its origins were on a different planet? Did the Egyptians of 2500 BC need some extraterrestrial assistance to construct their magnificent monuments? Welcome to episode 2 of Conspiracy from History Extra. I'm Rob Attar, and today we're going to be investigating the conspiracy theory that says the Egyptian pyramids were built by aliens. To explain the origins of this theory and detail the evidence against it, I was joined by the Egyptologist, Professor Joyce Tildesley of the University of Manchester. So today we're going to be discussing the conspiracy theory that states that the pyramids were built by some kind of extraterrestrial beings, where do the origins of this theory go back to?
0: There's been actually been lots of theories about the pyramids. People have visited Egypt, have looked at them and thought, wow, how could that be there? And then trying to fit a theory to it. So there is this long history of it. The actual idea that aliens built the pyramids is a fairly recent one, and it- I would say it really developed after H.G. Wells publishes The War of the Worlds in 1897. This starts a run of sort of sci-fi books. There's one in particular in 1898, Edison's Conquest of Mars, which reveals that the Great Pyramid and Sphinx are alien Martian constructions. It's not supposed to be a serious book. Well, you know, it's fiction, and that's what it was intended to be. But this idea that someone from outside earth might have visited Egypt and built these pyramids, then took a hold. So pretty soon after that, the idea that the pyramids might have been built by aliens was was starting to take a hold. In particular, there was in 1954, uh, a British journalist called Harold Wilkins published a book called Flying Saucers on the Attack. And in this book, he claimed as truth this time that actually ancient civilizations have visited earth and egypt in particular and had inspired people or helped people or done the building themselves and that's why we have the pyramids but as i say it's just sl- it's a long evolution that comes from first of all starting off as science fiction and then being accepted as fact
3: No, i, I realize there are similar theories about some other ancient wonders around the world so is the underlying explanation for this a view that people in the past were too unsophisticated to have created things that still impress us today
0: I think, yes, it's almost almost sort of a bit like a, a form of racism, isn't it? That these people couldn't do it, so someone else must have done it. But I think there's a bit more to it than that. Because prior to the idea of aliens helping build the pyramids, we had the idea that maybe people from Atlantis might have helped build the pyramids. And prior to that, we had the idea that God inspired builders to use the pyramid inch, a divinely inspired measurement, To build the pyramids. So, I think it's that there's always been a long succession of theories about how the pyramids might have been built. And as one is sort of superseded by the other, so it doesn't just come out of nowhere. I think it's a sort of changing and evolving belief as how the pyramids might have been built. And that's just the latest one that we have. As we become more interested in space and aliens, then they've sort of been attached to this theory as well. I think it's also, it's It's just a lack of information because these theories are very interesting and they've got great popular appeal and they get a lot of publicity and there are books written on this and there are television programmes. And people, I think, don't always realise that there's other forms of evidence available. And in some ways, Egyptologists, archaeologists are in parts responsible for this because we don't always publicise our own ideas. So people who are looking for an explanation of the pyramids get one side of the story, but they don't have the alternative evidence to to compare it with.
3: Now, in in your last answer, you mentioned racism, and I did wonder about that, actually, because is the explanation sometimes something to do with the idea that people in North Africa couldn't create these incredible things? I mean, would, would it have been different if these had been found in Europe, say?
0: That's a good question. I mean, I have to say that people also have the same ideas about Stonehenge, which is in Europe. But on the whole, is it racism because we're thinking that people in Africa can't do it, or is it because the pyramids in Africa, then we think that those people can't do it? We would feel the same if they were anywhere else in the world? I don't really know. But it it does seem to be, whatever you think of it, it's not appreciating the skills and abilities of the people of the past, because we have sufficient evidence to to show that these people could do this type of building. Okay,
3: so let's come on actually to to the pyramids themselves. And for anyone who hasn't seen the pyramids or doesn't know much about them, could you describe exactly what they were? Well,
0: that's it. again, having to describe the pyramids is a very good question because there are up to a hundred quite large scale pyramids and there are smaller ones as well, and they are all different. There are no two absolutely identical pyramids. On the whole, we think of them as sort of triangular shaped massive monuments in the desert made of stone, but we have pyramids that are substantially made out of mud brick, and we have pyramids which are also step-shaped. So rather than having straight sides, they have they have steps. The pyramid that people normally t- think about, or maybe the three that people tend to think about, are the three pyramids at Giza, which were built by Khufu, Kaif and Menkao And I think, you know, when you see pictures of the pyramids, those are the three that you see, but not all pyramids are the same. And they are massive, massive monuments, definitely. You know, they're, they're, they're surprisingly large. When you get up to them and you, you look at it, you think, wow, that is huge. But the technology involved in their building is extremely labour intensive. But in many ways, it is relatively simple.
3: See, I was actually going to ask you about the technology. So, I mean, what do we know about how they were built and the kind of tools that were needed to create them?
0: Again, we've, we've only just really over the past 50, 60, 70 years, started to really understand properly the building of the pyramids because this wasn't the sort of evidence that early Egyptologists were really interested in. And because of this, um, again, I think this is one of the reasons that the the other stories, the alternative views of the pyramids have developed. But we now know if we take the Giza pyramids as an example and the Great Pyramid of Khufu, the, the really big one that people will be familiar with, we know that they were built by gangs of workers who were summoned to work on the building site under a sort of national service or corvee system. They had fairly basic tools, but they were effective tools and there were a lot of workers. And they were able to cut blocks of stone, transport them to the pyramid building site and to, to, to build the pyramid with them. There's parts of the technology that we can't see that we know existed. For example, they used ramps to build the pyramid. But basically... It's the amount of sheer amount of manpower, person power, that's available to build the pyramid, which makes this possible.
3: I mean, the scale of the pyramids, I suppose, is one of the things that makes people doubt that people from the past could construct them. Do we have a sense of how they managed to make them so big?
0: Well, it's often estimated that Khufu's Great Pyramid has over two million blocks in it. But actually, we don't know because we can't see directly inside it. And there's been some recent research suggesting that there might be voids within the structure There might be big outcrops of natural rock inside it. We don't really know how many blocks were cut. But I guess basically if you can cut one block in a quarry, then you can cut more than one block in a quarry. We know that there's a limestone quarry close by, so it's not as if this stone is coming from nowhere. We know that there are campsites where these workers lived. We can see the evidence for this near the... the, um, pyramid sites as well so we have evidence for these people living on site transporting blocks we don't have the ramps because they would be taken down when the pyramid was completed but we have other forms of evidence we have evidence of how these people were fed for example we have cemeteries that the workers have been buried in so we do have a fair amount of information now as to as to how these pyramids were built it, it's a really good system for the point of view of the state because they will summon laborers to come to Giza to build the King's Pyramid for maybe three or four months in the year. Then they will go home and they will summon another batch of labourers. While they're there, they're fed on site, they're given medical attention and then they go back home again. So I guess it's a bit like national service.
2: We don't always realise just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings
1: So as I
3: understand it, the pyramids were intended as royal tombs predominantly. Did they have any other purpose?
0: Yes, the the pyramids are royal tombs, and they're tombs primarily for kings. There are smaller pyramids associated with female burials, but particularly looking at the three Giza pyramids, we're talking about kings' burials. I think they did have other purposes. It's not just somewhere to put a body, because after all, you could do that quite simply. You could just bury it in in the desert and that would be absolutely fine. It's also a massive sort of status symbol. You know, if you can have a massive pyramid, first of all, it shows everyone how really exceptional, how really powerful you are and how you're very much in command of resources. Because I think we have to remember that if you're building a pyramid, it's not just a case of cutting the stone, transporting it to the site and erecting it you're also looking at other industries there's a huge logistical nightmare getting all the workers assembled if you want to use different sorts of stone you have to use different quarries you need a rope making industry you obviously need the infrastructure for feeding and looking after the workers you need fuel and so on so it's a really really massive thing it's something that in a way seems to unite Egypt having to pull the workforce together to be able to build the pyramid actually is helping things like the bureaucracy itself develop. So there's that aspect of it, your absolute command of resources and the natural resources of Egypt. But it's also, we think, an aid for the kings to achieve their own afterlife. That you could almost use it as a stairway, as a ramp going up to heaven And it's also the way that it rises out of the desert would have been to the ancient Egyptians very reminiscent of the way that the land emerged out of the river Nile after the inundation which occurred every year. So I think it's got several messages, um, some of which we're probably not picking up on, but the one of power and command over resources I think would have been very important to the Egyptians. You want your pyramid, if you can, to look, bigger than everyone else's at this time so if you can't actually build it bigger you might decide to build it on higher ground so that it looks bigger and that's what happens at Giza the second pyramid looks bigger but it's not actually it's just built on higher ground so
3: from what you're saying there, there is a potential significance to the shape of the pyramids that distinctive design it was to create this staircase effect
0: Yes and it, it also possibly reflects uh, rays of sunlight it's been suggested that it's like fossilized sunlight coming down from the sky if you squint at the pyramid and squint at the sun you think you probably know what I mean although obviously don't stare at the sun but you can get you know a sort of pyramid almost type effect of rays coming down so also we have we have that aspect of it as well we know a lot about death and burial customs in ancient Egypt but there's still a lot I think that we have to understand And the precise significance of the pyramid is nowhere fully explained to us.
3: Now, as far as I understand it, the pyramids only occurred in a certain point of Egyptian history. What's the timescale we're talking about and why did they stop building them?
0: Pyramid building did occur in a certain time period, but it was quite a long time period. We have the first pyramid occurring in Dynasty 3, which is a step pyramid, which is built for a king called Zoza. But actually, before that, we have much smaller scale pyramids within Tombs. So the actual form of the pyramid is known, but just not the massive large scale tomb pyramid. And this continues throughout the Old Kingdom and what we call the Middle Kingdom. So it goes on for about 800 years. And even when kings stop being buried in pyramids, I mean, for example, Tutankhamun is in what we call the New Kingdom and he's buried in a rock cut tomb in the Valley of the Kings. But at the same time that Tutankhamun was being buried in his rock cut tomb, workers were still using small-scale pyramids in their own burials. So the symbolism of the pyramid carried on even after the kings had stopped building it.
3: Would you say that the pyramids were a standout achievement for the ancient Egyptians, or are there actually other aspects of their civilization that are just as impressive?
0: I would say that the pyramids are really, really important to the building of Egypt, because they encouraged not only building techniques, which are very important, and they were able, after building the pyramids, to go on to build, obviously, other stone buildings, But they also encouraged the civil service to develop, because if you're going to coordinate workers arriving at the Giza Cemetery, then you've obviously got to have good logistics. It encouraged the development of of boats, because if you're going to ship timber to the site, or you're going to ship precious stone from further away to the site, then you've got to have boats. You might need big-scale boats, so you might need to get timber to build your big-scale boats or barges from outside Egypt. It encouraged Medical skills, perhaps, with accident on the building site. There's a whole load associated with it that isn't just actually the building of the pyramid. But I think also what we're possibly missing, and it's very hard to pick up on, it possibly also encouraged a sense of community, that if you were summoned to build the Pharaoh's Pyramid and you went to Giza for three or four months, you might never otherwise leave your village So this would be possibly something that was really interesting, important in your life as well. And you would meet other people from other villages that you might never have met. And it would help spread ideas throughout Egypt as well. So I think the building of the pyramids is absolutely fundamental to the building of Egypt.
3: Now, I suppose one thing that separates the pyramids from other ancient wonders is that they survived all these thousands of years, whereas many others haven't done. Do you think their longevity helps explain why these theories have developed around them?
0: Yes, most most of the pyramids have survived to a certain extent, but none have survived in their original state. So we're quite accustomed to looking at the three Giza pyramids. If we looked at them in the ancient times when they were built, they would have been much more spectacular, much more shiny because they would have had really polished limestone exteriors and that's all gone. And they would have been surrounded by buildings and tombs. So we are accustomed to seeing them, but they're slightly out of their context. We're not really seeing them associated with everything else that was originally around them. But yes, absolutely. If we didn't have them, they'd be difficult to imagine and we wouldn't have these stories. But the fact that we have them... And the fact that we didn't, for a long time after the end of the dynastic age, really understand the Egyptian beliefs of death and the afterlife meant that we were forced to find explanations for them, to to try and understand why they're there, because On the face of it, it seems a bit strange to invest so much time and effort into building an absolutely massive monument. If you can just bury someone in the ground anyway, why would you do that? But the more we understand about the importance of the king in ancient Egypt and the importance of the king's afterlife, which was hugely important to him, he definitely wanted to preserve his body. And the more we understand about the desire to to promote yourself, even beyond death, and to build a monument that everybody really comes to and wonders at, uh, we, we understand it more and more all the time. But this is where we are now. Two or three hundred years ago, we didn't have this understanding. And so people did start to look for alternative explanations for the pyramids. And it makes a lot of sense that they did this.
3: One other theory I wanted to quickly ask you about is, uh, certainly there's a popular view that the pyramids were built by slaves, potentially even the Israelites from the Bible. How did that theory come about?
0: Yes, the Bible suggests that the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. And we also have classical authors who went to Egypt at the end of the dynastic age and looked at the pyramids and thought, wow, that must have been built by a lot of slaves. But of course, the classical authors are coming from a society which itself used slaves. Greece had slaves, Rome in particular had slaves. So if you come from a civilization that uses slaves to build massive monuments, if you see a massive monument, you're probably going to assume it was built by slaves. But obviously this got recorded and this got preserved in in the record, and this is how people understood that the Koreans had been built by slaves. But we now know that while there certainly was what you could call forced labour in ancient Egypt, this took the form of a national service or corvée, rather than being slaves. So we shouldn't be imagining slaves who are being whipped and, you know, being forced to sort of dragged from other countries and forced to build the pyramids. We don't have any evidence to suggest it's like that. It seems that it's built by people who are forced to be there. They're summoned to be there, but they're native Egyptians rather than being prisoners. I mean, I'm not sure that I don't know whether you particularly enjoy the National Service. Some people I suppose did do, but it's not quite the same as being a slave. So
3: over the course of this conversation, you've given us quite a few insights into how the pyramids were built and what Egyptologists understand about this. I mean, so do you think Egyptologists like yourself have a kind of responsibility to get this information out there and to try to combat misinformation and conspiracy theories?
0: I think Egyptology have a responsibility to put what they know out there. And this doesn't always happen. The university systems don't help because you don't get particular credit for doing what we call outreach. You get credit for doing you know, very complicated research papers and so on. Television doesn't help because it much, much prefers more exciting stories about aliens and so on than, than just workers turning up to a building site and working. So it's not always easy to put our message out there. But I think we should try harder to do that. If people genuinely believe that aliens built the pyramids, that is their belief. And I wouldn't particularly want to try to change them away from that belief. But what I would like to do is at least lay an alternative scenario before them with other evidence. So at least they they've got a choice of what they believe. If you only see information about pyramids and aliens or pyramids and sacred inches or pyramids and atlantis then obviously you are going to believe that and i just think it's important that we make the choice available to people that they have all the information and then they can choose to believe what they like
3: that was professor joyce Tilsley. she's the author of numerous books on ancient egypt most recently a biography of Tutankhamun that was published in october 2022 by headline And that's all for this episode, but do join us for episode 3, where we'll be questioning whether one of the Romanovs might have survived the family's murder. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Jack Bateman.